Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by Eva Minkoff. She has 10 years of experience in the healthcare industry. She has her own podcast network, and she is a podcaster, the host of the show, Human Care. We're going to be talking about relationships. This can apply to anyone, but it's going to be in the context of healthcare because that's what Eva feels is lacking. And we're going to be discussing any other topics that she wants to discuss. So Eva, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Curtis. It's really a pleasure. Why don't you start off by giving people a little bit of background about yourself? All right. Well, a little background and, you know, everyone's got their story and if we all tell our whole story. It's quite long, but I'll try and keep it short. Uh, and that is uh, sharing from first my perspective as a patient. I have been a chronic patient, you could say, since I was 10. I started seeing a specialist, not knowing what was wrong with me. It wasn't until I was uh, 20 years old after seeing God knows how many specialists uh, that I was finally diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which if anyone knows what that is, uh, it's kind of like a crapshoot of all illnesses uh, and diagnosis. It is very painful because I know yeah. people that have it. But yeah, it is a little different for everyone that has it, but we live with widespread pain as well as a lot of other symptoms that are annoying, I feel more than anything and disruptive. Like I have terrible brain fog and uh, fatigue. Now, given that COVID-19 is part of our lives, some people understand what co- fatigue means better than they did before. Like before people thought, oh, you're just tired. Being tired and fatigued and foggy are three very, very different things. And unfortunately, I'm plagued with all three on a regular basis. But in addition to that, I spent the last 10 years with the diagnosis of fibro, or I call it fibro, but it, there are a lot more things going on than just what could fall under the umbrella of fibromyalgia. And only this past summer was I diagnosed officially with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. Some people say we're like the tin man and a rag doll at the same time because our joints hurt so much, but they're really loose and they actually can dislocate. Uh, mine have not yet, but my co-hosts have, and it's a, uh, yeah, it's a doozy. And I have to do PT every day. Uh, and I still have fibromyalgia amongst some other conditions that I won't go into, but yeah, I am now, I just turned 31 years old. And so for the past about 20 years, I've been dealing with these conditions and because of that, I actually got interested in healthcare at a very young age. I wanted to understand the inner workings much better than I did from just going to the doctors themselves. Then I got a degree in neuropsychology, then went to got a master's in nutrition science. And those seem like very different things, but I actually always saw that there was such an, like an undeniable connection between the brain and the body. And I wanted to explore it to its deepest depths. But 
before I decided to jump into being a full-blown scientist, uh, it turns out I don't really like being a scientist. Uh, I'm very entrepreneurial, just always have been. I've been writing business plans since I was like eight. So I've now, again, like a long story short, I've had a number of businesses in the realm of healthcare, which led me to starting the Human Care Podcast. And human care really speaks to the relationships within healthcare, which I found to be the most overlooked and yet known to be one of the most important aspects of healthcare. Like if you ask someone, is the patient-doctor relationship important? Every I would like to think everyone says, yeah. Like if if you feel comfortable with your doctor or don't feel comfortable with your doctor, it's important. It's going to have an impact. And yet, even though we know that, there is almost nothing being done to better the relationships between patients and doctors. And then I like to think of it outside of the office, the, the doctor's office, but the relationships within healthcare and the rest of our lives. Like I have a chronic illness and I have a spouse. I have a chronic illness and I have colleagues. I have a chronic illness and I have friends. And the relationship to someone with a chronic illness or even an acute illness and those around us, like those have a really big impact on our health as well. So that's uh, in a nutshell how I got to where I am today. Well, I know you said that there was a difference between fatigue, being tired and foggy. Can you explain the difference between it so that everybody will know and won't just associate one with the other? Ooh, thank you for asking that. Yes, I will. Okay, so I'm going to work on it with some analogies. I think that'll be helpful. So being tired is when, I mean, we all, we all know what it's like to be tired. It's when you feel that heaviness in your eyes and your, your brain, it's almost like your brain hurts in a way, but the heaviness of the eyes for sure. Uh, I would say that's a definite distinction in, in being tired, like sleepy. When it comes to fog, brain fog, I like to say, because I make light of it, I say it's like being drunk without the fun part. Uh, you can't, I, you physically and mentally cannot focus. You are just, it, that's why they call it fog. You are just totally in, in this cloud where things are unclear and you could be sleepy and you could be fatigued, but you aren't necessarily at all. There are times where I am really foggy and I am full of energy and I am good to go, but my brain just isn't, I, I always say my brain's not working. Like I can't form proper sentences sometimes. It's actually very scary, which is why I like to make fun of it and just be like, my brain is drunk. Um, and then fatigue. Wow. Well, again, as I said, if anyone's had COVID, uh, like symptomatically has had COVID, you probably know what this feels like now. Fatigue is like your body having no energy. It doesn't matter how awake you are or how bright the sun is outside, but you just do not have the energy to move or you have very little energy. Fatigue, you know, is still on a spectrum, but it's like talking takes energy. Sitting up takes energy. And actually, if you don't mind, I'd like to, to, to mention something here that I think might be kind of fascinating to people who are not in this world. So uh, I found out pretty late into my chronic illness story that there are, a, that we have like a, 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 a name, like a, I actually forgot what this is called, but 
there's a term for people like us and we are called spoonies. Uh, <laughs> like, like, you know, like the utensil spoonies. And the reason for this is uh, there was this woman, uh, Christina, Christine Miserandino, who wrote a blog post in like the late 2000s. She had fibromyalgia and a bunch of other conditions like mine. And all of these conditions are invisible. And these invisible conditions come with a lot of fatigue. So one day, Christine is at this diner uh, with her best friend and her best friend who loves her finally admits to not understanding like, hey, Christine, what do you mean when you say you're tired all the time or you're or you can't do things like you look so healthy? I just don't understand. So Christine grabbed 10 spoons. I could be wrong about the number of spoons, but let's just say 10 spoons from a bunch of tables. And she said, OK, these are let this is my total amount of energy I have in a day, all these spoons. And each spoon is a measurement of energy that can get used up uh, as I go on about my day. So her friend picked up one of the spoons and said, okay, so is this like getting up and getting ready for work? Is this working out? Is another spoon cooking? And Christine said, no, one spoon is for getting out of my bed. One spoon is for brushing my teeth. One spoon is for taking a shower. One spoon is for putting on clothes. And you could see how very, very quickly in her day, she would run out of spoons. And this blog post that Christine wrote went absolutely viral. And here we are like, I don't know, 13, 14 years later. And there are millions and millions of people that identify as spoonies. So if you guys want to check that out, because it's actually very interesting, uh, look up hashtag spoonie with an IE at the end, and you will see so many inspiring stories and posts. And when I say inspiring, I mean like people who are making the most of their lives, but also people who are being really raw and vulnerable about their shortcomings. And I am very proud to be part of the Spoonie community. Well, how do you make it through your day with all the conditions and all the pain and like you said, fatigue and fogginess, how do you still go on and do all the things that you're doing? Cause it takes a lot of energy just to do a podcast alone, let alone run a network. That is, that is true. And thank you for acknowledging. Uh, first, I do want to admit that mine are not as, I don't, I don't suffer as much as most people do with my conditions. And that doesn't mean I don't, have difficulty every day I do, but a part of me feels guilty for being somewhat of a spokesperson for our, I, I guess our community when I'm not bedridden, like a lot of people are, or can't work. Like I can still work, but I do have to give myself a ton of self-care just to, to function and manage having somewhat of a normal life. Uh, like I mentioned, I do PT every single day. I have to do some sort of mindfulness work, let's say, uh, meditation is one of those. I have to work out. Like if I don't work out, it's not just about looking good. It's like my body will fall apart. It just, it's so painful. If I don't work out for a while, I have to eat well, I have to sleep well. I do not sleep well, but <laughs> I really try. And, and I, I personally don't take any medications that are directly related to my conditions, but I have ones that support it. And so it's just, it's putting in the effort and putting my body and my mind first 
because if I don't, then everything else will fall apart. Uh, and thanks to being part of this community, I have a lot of people that both uh, physically and emotionally support me doing those things. And without, without community support, I don't know if I would be where I am today. Well, talk about how you, how you connect relationships with healthcare. And, and I know before we were talking, right before we started recording, that you said that your philosophy can go with life as well as healthcare. So how is that? Mm. So my philosophy is that, I mean, it seems so simple, uh, which is, I guess, maybe makes a good philosophy, but we're all humans. We are all humans. And I talk about that primarily in the doctor-patient relationship because people see themselves as the roles, like the patient role and the doctor role, when really at the end of the day, we're just humans who have different perspectives and different expertise. I always play devil's advocate. Uh, I never talk about just how the patient's right or uh, is being wronged and vice versa with the doctor. And so how that applies in other aspects of life is, is really the comparison I'm making all along. Think of a doctor-patient relationship like a romantic relationship. So it, the way you deal with uh, conflicts, the way you deal with bonding, it's maybe the actual acts themselves are different, like how you bond and how you deal with conflict or like the types of conversations. But the underlying message and the underlying intention in all of those relationships is the same. It really comes down to us being human in that we all want to be heard and understood and loved. Like what are common denominators that all of us have? If you focus on those, then you can adapt to any kind of relationship, whether it be in healthcare or professional or personal or what have you. And I like to practice that every day with the people around me, uh, including my husband. And as much as I love him and I love him to death, him and I are both very strong-minded and therefore we have to uh, remind each other or remind ourselves and each other that one another is human. And what we're really trying to do here is work together on something. And that's what a doctor and a patient are trying to do as well. It just doesn't come off that way a lot of the time, which is sad. So with all the doctor experiences you've had throughout your life, how did you feel like your doctor-patient relationships went? How, how did that work That, as far as it goes along with your philosophy? Well, I've, uh, I mean, as you said, I've had many. I, I'll tell you about the doctor that, I'll tell you about three different doctor um, experiences I've had, and you'll, you can understand the differences between them. So uh, one of the first specialists I remember seeing when I was like I don't know, 13, 14, and, and for some context, I was a professionally trained ballet dancer. So that means doing ballet like five or six days a week, a number of hours every single day. So, you know, I wasn't just like prancing around in a tutu. I was doing it hardcore. And so naturally, I finally tell my doctor this uh, because he never asked about it. And he's like, oh, well, you're in pain. We don't know why. 
may uh, just stop doing ballet and you'll probably be fine. And I was livid because even though there's a possibility, my doctor might've been right because I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and ballet might've made it worse. <laughs> it meant that he didn't understand me at all. He was not looking at me as a human, a human, a human 14 year old girl who, and whose ballet was her life. You know, maybe, maybe I should have stopped ballet, but, uh, and we'll never know, <laughs> but approaching it that way. So nonchalant, like, oh, you should eh, just stop doing ballet. There was no way he was going to get through to me that way. And he didn't look at me as a person who had something else going on in my life. He saw it like a symptom or just something to check off and get rid of. And he was a nice guy, but he didn't, he didn't look at me or approach me in a way that would have actually spoken to me. He didn't get on my level. And that seems innocuous, but it's not. If, if you don't see eye to eye with someone or try to see eye to eye with someone, you aren't, you're not going to be able to connect. You definitely aren't able to empathize. Another doctor, when I was, uh, I guess, like 19, something like that, a lot older, when I, already, I knew that there was something very wrong with my joints at this point. And... Actually, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this other doctor that I love because it's relevant to the other one. My, my GP, once I became an adult, my family doctor, he was the only doctor I have ever met who, when I sat in his office, he wouldn't just look at my chart and say, what's wrong? Or like, why are you here? He would stop, look at me, smile and say, so what's going on? And when I jump into my story, like what's going on with my health, he would slow me down and say, no, what's going on with you? Like what's going on in your life? And man, was that such a breath of fresh air. I remember the first time he asked me and how it was every single time I saw him after that, he cared to know about me as a whole person. He wanted to know what was going on in my life because he knew that that could very well have an impact on my health. And maybe even tell him something that either I didn't know to disclose or maybe wouldn't disclose. Uh, and that brings me to the, the doctor that I was going to mention before. Uh, I went to this orthopedic surgeon who was a uh, top doc. I should mention I'm from the New York City area. So, you know, I've, I have the best doctors, quote unquote, at my disposal. Uh, I went to see this top orthopedic surgeon who was recommended by my GP. And this guy was, he just had no heart whatsoever. I came in with my really long list of symptoms, my story, I had practiced my story because I'd so desperately wanted answers. And he just looked at me, actually, sorry, he didn't look at me. I think he looked at like my leg when I was talking about all of my joints. And he said to me, oh, I think you have runner's knee. And you can imagine I was, again, livid uh, because, first of all, I'm not a runner, but I knew what he meant. He meant that I had worn out my joints in some way. But I mentioned, I was like, all of my joints hurt and they're all of these other symptoms. And he just, I don't, I don't really know what was going on in his head, but he clearly was not listening to me. And I'm not talking about like judging him as a diagnostician. I meant he just was, he literally wasn't listening to me. 
I saw it in his face and he just was making assumptions the moment I walked in the room. And lo and behold, three or four years later, I asked my GP for a recommendation again. And once again, he sends me to this guy. I forgot his name. So I didn't realize I was going to the same doctor. And once again, he does the exact same thing. Like for verbatim says I have runner's knee, doesn't pay attention to me. And I think this is the reason I want to note that this orthopedic surgeon was recommended by my GP is that as wonderful as my GP is, you know, he's my favorite doctor asking me about who I am as a person. His idea of a good doctor was a person who was top rated in their med school class. And I just found that fascinating that people consider someone to be a great doctor for very different reasons. And interestingly, they were not the same reasons I considered him to be a good doctor. So those are just some of my stories. I have many, many, many stories, but uh, doctor-patient relationships uh, or lack thereof come in all shapes and sizes. Well, that's why I asked that question, because I'm pretty sure in your history, you've had doctors tell you, well, you can't do this. And you're thinking in your mind, you're wrong. I'm going to do what I do and live the best life as I can. Let's talk about your in, invisible, not broken network. Tell us about that. Tell us about your human care podcast and what made you decide to start this network. Sure. So uh, I think I'm actually allowed on this podcast to give some news along with it, which I'm very excited about. Uh, yes, ma'am, you are. Because <laughs> uh, it literally just became real this week. Uh, but the so the Invisible Not Broken podcast started, so, sorry, the network started out as the Invisible Not Broken podcast, which was originally hosted by Monica Michelle. Uh, she also has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, unfortunately, must, much worse than myself. She interviewed me a number of times because I had a startup related to chronic illness in the past. And she we liked interviewing each other so much that she brought me on as a co-host. And then a year ago, we decided that we loved interviewing so many of our guests that we wanted to elevate the voices of the community by helping other chronic illness warriors start their own podcasts. That's how we, we brought it into it. We created a network and we brought on a discomfort zone, uh, sex and chronic illness, and then Monica and I split into our own podcasts, uh, which are explicitly sick and human care. And the, I guess, announcement that I have, I'm very excited to say, is that one of the guests that I've had on a couple times, uh, CEO of the charity Good Days, her name is Clarinda Wally, and she recently asked if, as I, as like head of the network, would launch their advocacy branch of uh, the Good Days Foundation, which is a medical copay reimbursement charity. And they are fantastic. Uh, but she wanted me to uh, launch their advocacy branch and have the network as the foundation of that advocacy branch. So that is happening. It will actually be changed to humancare.org. The website is not up yet as of, as of this date, this date being, what is it? April 29th. <laughs> uh, but uh, humancare.org will be up and it will host the podcasts uh, within our network, including the original Invisible Not Broken. But uh, from there, what I plan to do is build a 
content community of all sorts within the human care, I guess the human care mission. So human care is all about relationships and healthcare, right? Shedding light on all sides of human care relationships. So the doctors, the patients, colleagues, friends, family members, caregivers, uh, anyone who's involved in uh, the healthcare journey. And so we will be bringing on more podcasts and uh, videos like vlogs and blogs, all shedding light on various aspects of that very hefty topic. And also probably because I love making things happen, we'll probably be having lots of on and offline events and hopefully pushing some boundaries in terms of legislation. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about that (laughs) to say lately. I'm excited for you too. I love to hear about people gaining and moving forward. And that answers my question about the projects that you're working on right now. So you gave out your website. Why don't you give out your social media links for people to be able to connect with you and also tell us if you plan on writing a book. I know you plan on doing a TED talk. Have you got that published yet? But give us your social media links. (laughs) I will just say a quick thing on that. So I gave a TED Talk February 7th, 2020. And we all know what happened shortly after that. So the TED Talk has still not been published on April 29th, 2021. However, uh, I've been told that it will within the next like couple weeks or month. I hope that they're not bluffing. And if I remember correctly, the title is Five Minutes to Fix Our Broken Healthcare System. And yes, I'm aware at how... uh, I'm allowed to say ballsy, that title is, (laughs) but there's a reason for it. And uh, I bet you won't be surprised to learn that it is all about relationships in healthcare. (laughs) So hopefully that comes out soon. But right now, uh, my social handles are uh, human care podcast for Facebook or human care underscore podcast on Instagram. Truth is with this transition, I'm not really sure what all of our handles are going to be, but if you Google human care, I will come up. And we will come up. So I hope that's helpful. And uh, anyone can feel free to reach out to me personally. Uh, right now, our our email, actually, you can reach out to me at humancarepodcast at gmail.com or contact at invisiblenotbroken.com. Absolutely. Well, I plan to put this episode out before you change all your stuff. <laughs> okay. Do, yeah. do you have any final thoughts for the audience, just anything dealing with relationships or anything that you want to talk about before we go chronic illness, anything? Sure. Well, in the spirit of humanizing uh, healthcare relationships, the next time you are in a frustrating or just let's say negative experience related to your health along with another person, like if you're hurt and your friend or your spouse doesn't exist or you're you don't understand what's going on and your doctor's dismissing your symptoms. Just remember that that person who doesn't understand you and is really upsetting you is also a person who's dealing with their own struggles, their own, their own messages and context and limitations. And they do want what's best for you. They do want to, for you to feel better, whatever that looks like. Um, And sometimes it's just going to take a while or going to take a new approach for you guys to get on the same level, but you're both, you're both human. 
And what humans want at the end of the day is to connect. There, there are just a lot of barriers in the way, both from the other person and with yourself. And you can be, you can be that person. You can take the responsibility and work on that relationship, even if they're the one who is frustrating you and you think it's like their fault. You can be the bigger person and make the move to feel empathy for them and show them how they could maybe more easily have empathy for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Eva Minkoff at humancare.org. Eva, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And listeners, please be sure to follow, rate, review, share after listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. Dream.